Who would think swiping right would end your life? Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host. Tonight I want to talk about the case of Sidney Loof, Bailey Boswell, and Aubrey Clifton Trail. Sidney Irene Loof was born on October 21st, 1993 in Broken Bow, Nebraska. She was a very active child growing up. She loved to fish, play golf, play basketball. But unfortunately, she ended up getting a diagnosis of scoliosis, and she was no longer able to participate in any of those. That was really hard for her to accept. She wasn't a quitter. When she graduated from Neely Oakdale High School in 2011, she went and got a job. There was a local Menard store over in that area. It's kind of like a Lowe's or a Home Depot. She got a job as a clerk there. She really started to suffer with anxiety and depression. Her family was always there to help her, though, so they took her to the doctor so she could go get on some antidepressants. See if maybe that would help a little bit. She decided she was going to take a leap of faith and she was going to get on some dating sites. See if she could meet anybody cool. The date app of her choice was Tinder. She's swiping here and she's swiping there. And one person caught her eye. Her name was Aubrey. She was 24 years old and she was living in Wilbur, Nebraska. They had a lot in common. They both enjoyed basketball. They, they liked sports. And after her shift on November 15th, 2017 is when they had their first date. She drove over to the Wilbur Apartments where she lived. They really hit it off so much that on November 16th, they went on another date. She was excited. Even before she was heading on her second date, she had posted a Snapchat image and it said, ready for my date. And she was all smiles. She thought, you know, maybe there could be something here. When November 17th came around, Sydney was a no-show for work, and that wasn't really like her. She was very punctual, very responsible. Her mom was unaware that she went on a date the night before, but when she knew that she hadn't showed up for work, she called the cops and said that her daughter was missing. Police went over to Sydney's house so they could do a welfare check, and everything kind of seemed in order. It did strike them a little bit weird because, like, her wallet and her car, her car keys, her glasses were there, and one hell of a hungry cat. Other than that, there was really nothing out of place. There was no sign of a struggle. There was no sign of foul play. They thought maybe did she step out thinking she was going to come right back. Luckily, Sydney did confide in a few of her friends that she was going on this date with a woman from Tinder. I mean, you know, you got to do that these days. Well, among them was a girl named Brooklyn McChrystal. After Sydney went missing, she was like, uh, I'm going to find out who the hell she went on a date with. That was the last person to see her, as far as everybody was aware. So she swiped left on her Tinder profile. And she kept doing that 
until she stumbled on the profile of Aubrey. She was able to find that same profile that Sydney went on, so she sent her a message. Aubrey responded and gave her her phone number. Brooklyn took that to the cops and said, here, you need to figure out who these people are. Police go to that address. They speak to the landlord. Landlord tells them, yes, there's an Audrey who lives here, but it's a a man. And his name is Aubrey Clifton Trail. And he lived there with his girlfriend, Bailey Boswell. They had been living there for just six months, but it seemed as if they took off. That wasn't the only useful information that the landlord had. He also told police that there had been such a bad smell between that smell and the bleach. It actually made some of his relatives sick. They were throwing up and they even got hives. Tell bad the smell was. He told them he doesn't know where they went. It's all he knew. So, of course, Bailey and Aubrey are now definitely persons of interest. On November 28th, the couple must have gotten wind of what was going on. And they made a Facebook live stream video of both of them defending themselves and saying that they weren't guilty of any kind of crime. Bailey was putting it out there that when they were on the dates, her and Sydney, they were just driving around and smoking weed. When they had that second date, she actually drove Sydney to one of her friend's house and dropped her off. She hasn't heard from her since. In the background, while Bailey is telling them about the date, you can hear Aubrey in the background praying that she will be found soon and safe. The couple was located on November 30th. They were found at a motel in Branson, Missouri. They were arrested, but it was for a different set of charges. They didn't have enough for murder yet, so instead, they went ahead and arrested them on fraud. They were caught defrauding hundreds of thousands of dollars from interstate coin buyers. In their possession, they had maps, sleeping bags, hiking shoes, Police are thinking they were probably going to try to escape to Mexico or live out in the woods or something. About December 4th, December 5th, 2017, we're about three weeks, 19 days-ish since Sydney went missing. Well, there was a search being led by the FBI and the local police. They found Sydney's body alongside a gravel road, which was 60 miles away from where she went on her date. It's not exactly the way they wanted to find Sydney, especially since they had dismembered her in about 13 pieces. They had sex toys, sex apparel, and other items that were found wrapped inside a 30-gallon trash bag. Part of Sydney's upper arm has still never been found. But a couple months later, I believe it was like three, they did find a slit bra and the shirt that was seen in her Snapchat video. They were able to rule Sydney's death as death by strangulation. That's when Bailey and Aubrey were arrested for first-degree murder and improper disposal of human remains. Now, it's one thing to kill somebody, but you gotta chop them up. He changed their stories I don't even know how many times. At first... They both denied any involvement 
They didn't kill her. They didn't do anything with her. But when they found her remains, one person did crack. And it might not be who you think it is. It was Aubrey. He confessed that he killed her. While Bailey always maintained her innocence. She wanted to go to trial. She's like, let's go. Eventually, Aubrey would try to reverse his conviction and said that, you know what, he actually wasn't guilty. In jail, he confessed that he killed Sidney all by himself. It was the law of retaliation. He also said he wanted to be executed for killing her. In another confession, he tried to say that Sidney actually died on a third date with Bailey. And then he claimed that the trio was participating in some kind of kinky fantasy sex shit and things went wrong. He went to choke her, but she accidentally died. They had store receipts, video evidence that the prosecution would show at trial, showing the couple were buying the necessary tools they were going to need to carry this out. I mean, they were getting bleach, saws, trash bags. And even creepier, cell towers showed that these two had been following her for a couple days, it seems. So clearly, they've had their eye on her. They also noticed that at 8.32 p.m., that is 24 minutes after she arrived, her phone went dead. So they believe that they didn't really hesitate in doing this. They carried this out rather quickly. He tried to tell the FBI that he made movies for a job that were for kinky people. He was paid by people who wanted to see these things. And he used their money to pay participants that, you know, Sydney was a willing participant, knowing full and well that she was going to get choked out. And that he explains the risks to these girls, letting them know that this could end in death. Now, I know people do do that. Only fans and <laughs> what else? But I mean, come on. Aubrey knew the jig was up. He wasn't going to fight it anymore. He was just going to say, you know what? You're right. I am guilty. He even told them where they could find her phone her driver's license, and her credit cards. So they went over to the Woolbirds Check Cemetery, and that's, that's where they all were. So who are these people? Here's a little background. Bailey was born Bailey Marine Boswell, and she was from Leon, Iowa. When she was just an infant, her father was murdered. But she didn't let that stop her. She actually ended up being one of the fastest runners on her team. She excelled in sports. She was even offered a scholarship to play college basketball, but she started using drugs. She got married to Freddie Panel. She had a daughter, but that relationship was toxic. It was physically, emotionally, and sexually abusive. He also had a drug addiction, which would involve them. Pretty much, they lost their daughter. When Bailey wanted to get away from Freddie, she moved to Princeton, Iowa. She Tried to get back on her feet, but unfortunately, that didn't really work out for her because she found Audrey on Backpage. She was on there looking for a sugar daddy, and she found Aubrey. Aubrey Clifton Trail was 54. 
He also had a difficult childhood. At the age of two, he was being abused by his parents. So his grandfather took over. But he couldn't keep him forever. So when he had to go back to that household, his stepfather started to abuse him again. So while he grew up, he had no money. He was moving from foster home to juvenile facility before landing in prison as a teenager for armed robbery. When they were at trial, they both had public defenders. Aubrey just confessed, yes, I strangled her. They were going to keep going with this kinky shit. His defense tried to say he was a troubled child. And he's actually trying to assist the police in bringing justice to Sydney's family. I hate when they try to attack the victim. They painted her as a depressed person who used cocaine, showing choking and rough sex stored in her iCloud accounts. That was evidence that she was looking for such fantasies. Bailey's attorney said that she also had a shitty childhood and said that she was forced after being emotionally manipulated by Audrey, who was double her age, to carry out these things that she didn't really want to, but he was forcing them on her. It was all his fault. Both defense attorneys pretty much were just trying to spare them the death penalty. They had a fucked up childhood. They shouldn't die for it. Well, you know, Cindy shouldn't have died for it either. They also had video of both of them checking into a Best Western hotel in Lincoln. And this was near her work. They were seen at an antique mall buying a folding saw, a weeder, and food grinders. He was seen in her store more than once. Once he was seen buying air freshener, some Drano, protein bars, a thermometer, and lighters. Odd combination, but all that was while she was working. Then another recording shows Aubrey is seen entering the store while Sydney's walking out. And they catch him doing the one eye over the shoulder. They were never able to find the tools, though. They were never able to find the hacksaw, any any of that. They did find the handcuffs, rope, dog collar, leash, and sex toys. Sydney's DNA wasn't on any of them, though. There were pieces of electric wire found scattered around her remains. That's what he said he used to strangle her with. During trial, Aubrey slashed his own throat. During the trial. So needless to say, he missed probably a good chunk of trial. They also had three women take the stand, stating that the couple had told them their desires to record victims as they torture and kill them before they would be able to make millions from the sales of these videos. Aubrey tried to say that there is a tape out there with Sydney on it stating, yes, you can strangle me. They never found that tape. Pretty much, they wanted to make her a sex slave. She wasn't having it. So he killed her. She didn't want a lifestyle of group sex and fraud. How dare her? It only took a couple hours for them to reach the decision to convict both of them with first-degree murder 
conspiracy to commit murder, and improper disposal of human skeletal remains. They were both found guilty. Bailey was sentenced to life. Nobry was sentenced to death. When they asked Aubrey if he had anything he wanted to say, he sat there in his orange jumpsuit, handcuffed to his wheelchair, and he let them know that he had no doubt that if he let her go, she was going to tell on him. And he didn't apologize to her family, but he spoke from a written statement at sentencing. The Lincoln Star reported, he said that, I realize nothing I can say here will change in the least what I did to Sydney three and a half years ago. I won't say I'm sorry, as that would be an insult to you after what I have put you through. And I won't ask forgiveness, as I don't believe there is such a thing. He also admitted that he had already planned on killing her about two to three hours before he actually carried it out. He became the 12th man on death row in Nebraska, and that's a state that rarely carries out their executions, and that's because they have a hard time getting what they need to carry it out. They can't get the injection. Bailey is at the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women in York, and Aubrey is at the Tecumseh, yeah, fuck that shit, I don't know. There is a Facebook page named Celebrating Sydney Loof, if anyone is interested. They also came up with the Set Me Free Project, which is an anti-trafficking nonprofit organization dedicating a $3,000 scholarship in Sydney's name to be granted to students pursuing careers in criminology, online safety, and social work. This story is just, it's sad in so many ways because obviously Sydney never should have died. This shouldn't have been a thing. She just wanted to meet somebody. She wanted to go on a date. She wanted to feel better. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Children who are abused usually become abusers. We have to stop the cycle. It's never going to stop if we don't stop. I think one of the most important things in this story also is you need to let people know where you're going and what you're doing, especially if you're going to try online dating. There are so many wackadoos out there. You just never know. People lie all the time. You're behind a screen. You can be anyone you want to be. I could be a unicorn. Always take that in consideration. Anybody can be anybody they want to be behind a screen. It's when you meet up with them in person. Shit might get real. I wonder how many times maybe they've tried this before. Or did other girls agree to do this and they just wanted to take it to another level? Did he want like a Harlem of women or... Everything in this episode today was by People Magazine, Wikipedia, New York Post, and the Lincoln Star. If you or anyone you know is having issues with abuse mental health, substance abuse, anything like that, please head over to crimeovercocktails.com. I have a page dedicated to phone numbers that will help you. Please go get help. Do not go through this alone. Abuse is never okay. And mental health is serious. Please make sure to like, follow, subscribe, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. If you want to connect more with me, you can either follow me on my Instagram page, Crime Over Cocktails, 
Or also on the website, if you want to reach out, there are ways to do so there. You can get me by my email, crimeovercocktails at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page, but nobody cares. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great night, and we'll talk crime another time. Bye.